This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome in to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider, and we've got a shortened show today because the Royals broadcast will kick in here at about 5.30, but we've got so much to discuss in a short time period, so we're going to be jumping right into it and be joined by John Kurtz. And John is all over the media world these days, formerly the sports director at K-Man in Manhattan, he is with the Kansas City Sports Network on the Three Maw podcast, has a YouTube channel, all this different stuff. John, uh, how would you prefer I introduce you in the future since you got so many hats in the media world? Uh, I mean, it's a good question, and thanks for having me. I, I uh, People ask me that before I, I go on with them, you know, every once in a while when I still do a radio hit or something. And like, I, I don't know, here's what I do. You, you pick and choose however it is that you want to introduce it because, you know, I always feel like, uh, podcast, how much legitimacy does a podcast have if you're introducing a radio guest? YouTube is where my biggest audience is at, but it doesn't seem like people ever really want to go that route and be like, hey, I have a YouTuber on with me right now. Like, it doesn't carry that uh, that cachet. So, you know, whatever whatever you are comfortable with, uh, I am I am totally fine with. <laughs> well, regardless, we, we know you know your stuff uh, because you've been around it a while and, and you did some great stuff with that YouTube channel about a year ago when this, we thought the sports world or the college sports world was falling apart originally when the rumors of OU and Texas moving to the SEC really first came out. And then there was the, the sky is falling for the rest of the Big 12 and, and K-State. Well, fast forward to now, the Big 12 seems to be in much better situations when you hear the news that breaks even yesterday with USC and UCLA moving now to the Big Ten, which seems to be one of the more earth-shattering pieces of realignment that's really ever happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny how it's almost a year on the dot that this happens again. And that, that to me is, you know, that's why I, a lot of people, and I understand why, a lot of people are kind of grave dancing on the Pac-12 and just taking shots in general and, and enjoying the fact that it wasn't the Big 12 that was being rocked this time around and that the Big 12 is on a little more stable footing now than they were when Texas and Oklahoma left. But I really wasn't doing much of that because I just think you have to think bigger picture with all of this. And, and I don't know. I, I still think it's bad for a lot of the have-not schools in the Big 12, which is pretty – I mean, maybe the entire league. Um, I don't – you know, I think there's a scenario where if the SEC eventually decides to expand more and there's been talk of, like, these conferences getting up over 20 teams, then there's a chance maybe like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, uh, TCU, uh, schools like that potentially – could get in the mix there but if you're not one of those schools like I, I don't I wouldn't be celebrating much right now because the, the best case scenario is you either raise the Pac-12 birds with the Pac-12 or I guess maybe the Pac-12 goes out and takes like Boise San Diego State and you still feel like you're a superior league to them and that's that's all well and good but what we've moved closer to is just the day where it is legitimately just the two super leagues or maybe one super league like we took a massive step forward to that with this move yesterday. And, and I was thinking and hoping that there was going to be a three or four year period here without as much movement before some of these media rights deals started coming up in 24 and 25. So it, it feels to me like the, to be honest, the clock has just been accelerated on uh, a lot of the schools, the big 12 
along with many across the country, is becoming more irrelevant, uh, dropping dropping away from that top group. So that's why I'm not really celebrating it. Sun Plus, there's, there's the fact that, I mean, look, I get the big calls on much more solid footing than the Pac-12 right now, but I'm, I'm still not fully confident somebody wouldn't jump. I mean, dude, I think all bets are off as to, to where things could go now. I think the ACC has a, a little bit of an initiative to expand because that's the only way they can renegotiate their TV contract, which is terrible. Uh, and locked in for another 14 years. If they want to up the ante there, they could expand and renegotiate the deal. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot on the table. If the ACC were going to do that, I would think that West Virginia and Kansas would, would be in the mix there. So I, I don't know. I mean, it just to me is a, a lot of uneasiness. And speaking from a K-State perspective, I, you just you, you're along for the ride. I mean, I think we learned that last year. You're you're kind of along for the ride with whatever happens at the Big 12, and it doesn't doesn't feel very likely there's a seat at the table for you anywhere else. Now, with the Big 12, I mean, having technically expanded with four after the whole situation last year, I mean, th- those schools aren't here yet. Could we see the Big 12 get more aggressive and add a handful of schools? I've seen some rumors with the, the Arizona schools and maybe a Utah potentially reuniting Colorado with, with the old Big 12 or Big 8, I guess. Uh, is that something that we could see before the already new members of the Big 12 have even become technically part of this league? Is is that a change that is realistic, or, or is this kind of like you said, we're just along for the ride? Well, I think I think the league would be smart to to explore that because I just view it as like eat or be eaten. I mean, that's really the environment that we're in, and I it's hard to know what to believe because. You know, most people have said that. I can't remember what reporting I read yesterday. If there was reporting that said, like, the Big 12 would be expected to do that. But I was just reading this morning and did a dot article where he said a Big 12 source he talked to said, like, why would we want to add that? And I, I hate that attitude because, like, you have a chance to, like, kill a competitor here and go out and get stronger, at least add some teams with more legitimacy to them and a little more bite. To the league, I, I don't understand why you would sit around and wait because I think there is again, a chance that uh, somehow that comes back around to hurt you. If you have a chance to go add more Power Five teams right now, I would do it. And the Big Twelve has always, always been the league that's lagging behind. So I don't know. I am hopeful that you know, Dennis Dodd. I, I respect the guy, but to be honest, some of his reporting throughout conference realignment has been a little all over the board. Um, and, and, and frankly, that's kind of the case with everybody. So I, I'm a little more optimistic that that's just one rogue source and the Big 12 would actually explore it. Because to be honest, I mean, if I'm the Big 12, I'd like, I would make the call to Oregon and Washington. I don't think it's very likely that they would come, but they're, they're the best left, uh, certainly out of that group. And we have seen some reporting indicating that the Big 10, at least for right now, is not going to invite Oregon and Washington. So go try. And the other thing that's been talked about a lot, I know John Wilner is the guy who had the original report yesterday about USD and UCLA. He's talked about the Pac-12 essentially coming back with the same idea that the Big 12 ran to the Pac-12 last year, which is like, hey, why not just merge? Like, let's have our league merge and create this big conglomerate conference that I guess would kind of be like the best of the rest after the SEC and the Big 10. And I mean, I would at least listen. I would at least listen because I just don't know. I mean, I think another harsh reality of all this is that and no one's – I heard one podcast talking about it, but not many have talked about it. What happens at the college football playoff? What incentive does the SEC and the Big Ten have right now to offer automatic bids in any playoff moving forward? None. Absolutely none. So I, the ACC – and this is where the ACC, Jim Phillips, really screwed this up, the ACC commissioner, by torpedoing play, uh, the playoff expansion that 
the SEC was going to give a gift, a gift to everybody of an automatic bid to these conferences. Well, he, he turned it away, threw it back in their face, and now there is absolutely no incentive for those two leagues to ever offer that. And that is where you're going to get screwed in recruiting if you don't have a, a legitimate path to the playoff every single year. And that's where you're going to see that gap widen. So for that reason, I mean, that's why I would think that, that some of those back goal schools would be pretty attractive to the Big 12 to stockpile yourself with many schools that could give you some air of legitimacy um, when teams, when you do have a good team that can pop and, and get to the playoff to at least have a halfway decent schedule to get there and allow them the opportunity to do so. But I, I don't know. It's just uh, we're kind of back to square one where we were last year where I think a lot of things are on the table and we just have no idea uh, what the next domino to fall is going to be. Again, we're joined by John Kurtz of the KC Sports Network and his YouTube channel covering all things college sports these days and specifically as it relates to K-State and the Big 12. Well, in this situation, John, last year, I mean, you had a, a veteran commissioner running the show for the Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby, who had kind of been through this before. He was the guy that really spearheaded the addition of, of West Virginia and TCU. But now this all happens literally the day after the Big 12 names its brand new commissioner and Brett Yormark. Can you think of a, a worse way to get greeted by a new position than this news that Brett Yormark got yesterday? I mean, it's definitely tough, but that's kind of the, the job description. Uh, yesterday was also the uh, 365th day for George Kleopcom on the job of the Pac-12. And uh, he, had, he had a worse day than Brett Yormark yesterday, I can assure you of that. <laughs> so that comes with the territory, but that does present a really interesting situation after the Big 12 because when talking about, hey, they should be aggressive, well, who, who is on the aggressive right now? I mean, I guess I would assume it's Bob Bowlesby because your mark wasn't supposed to start until August 1st. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Your mark is billed as a really aggressive guy. He's put together some of the biggest uh, sports media deals in history, like the one with NASCAR and Nextel, which at the time was the biggest in sports history. He oversaw the movement of the Nets from New Jersey to Brooklyn. Like, the guy's done big things and been very aggressive in doing so, but he also – isn't there, there's talk of, you know, learning curve on the job, not having worked in college athletics his entire life, really. So, I don't know. It, it does put you in a bit of a precarious situation there where I would guess that the solution right now is that Buffalo's we just have to wait a little bit longer to, to get that beach trip that he wants, that beach life, just be sipping my ties. I, there may be a little bit more work involved now to actually get yourself there. So, I don't know. I'd be fat. That's one thing I told somebody yesterday. I would have been fascinated to be a fly on the wall at the, the Big 12 offices. Uh, down in the Dallas area yesterday to know what, what the thought, the reaction is, uh, and, and what their next move is going to be. So, uh, I, again, another I keep saying all bets are off. That's another situation where we just don't know. We're in totally uncharted waters in so many different ways, and, and one of those is, yes, how do you handle this when you're in, in the middle of swapping out commissioners? Now, to, to kind of pivot a little bit to, to K-State specifically, I was going to – ask you a few questions about uh, the recruiting side of things because it seems like Kansas State is making more waves this recruiting cycle for 2023 than it ever has and I'm curious if this may impact it a little bit because right now I mean K-State's been in the mix on one of the best quarterbacks in the class of 2023 and Avery Johnson and they're in the mix with plenty of other schools and uh, on on other like three three-star kids all over the field i mean does this affect k-state at all hurt their chances of pulling in more high profile recruits and continuing this best recruiting class they've had in a long time if maybe ever 
that's a tough one uh, because I, I don't know that everybody else outside, you know, it's hard to know how much like high school kids are really paying attention to it um, or to understand the total dynamics of it. Um, how can K-State sell that? I mean, they did have to do it last year and seemingly did okay. Uh, you know, as it relates, I, I feel like you're, you're too far along in the process right now with some of these kids. And they already basically knew that you're not going to be the, the Big Ten or the SEC, right? You're not going to be in one of the two big leagues. Um, so I wouldn't think that it hurts anybody really immediately, but that, that can change, you know, based on whatever reporting comes out tomorrow or the next day or the next day about what the future of the Big 12 is going to be. Um, I think with Avery Johnson, I mean, look, his other finalists were Washington and Oregon, who now are both in a really difficult spot. Uh, with their league crumbling apart in front of them. So I, I don't think those really make much sense. And Oregon was supposedly a leader for Dante Moore, one of the best quarterbacks in the class, maybe the best uncommitted quarterback in the class. Now that's a recruitment that I would wonder about at this point. That's where I think Oregon probably gets screwed with that. Um, Washington just took a quarterback commitment the other day. So I, I think they're probably out. So, I, I mean, I think you're still staying pretty for Avery Johnson. Um, I, I doubt that it has a, an immediate impact, but I think if you start looking at like 2024 20, and beyond, like those classes, maybe that's where it could. And again, all this is just like subject to whatever news would, would come out of it. So, John, with, with this, all, all this recruiting, I know you've been around K State athletics for a while. Can you remember a, a recruiting class that maybe wasn't as high profile, but had some some more excitement like this? Because to me, this is the most excitement that I've had surrounding k-state football recruiting really ever and and the potential that's there in the future especially with really what's in front of k-state this season it seems like it's all coming together at once for potentially one of the most important or influential seasons in program history yep and that's uh that's the real you know what about conference realignment uh and and why you wanted some stability it feels like the program's really turning a corner right now both on field and off. I mean, you're, you're kind of a dark horse Big 12 title contender on the field this year with Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama, Cooper, BB, like all these guys that could be all Americans. You've got some real talent there, I think, in the first 22, especially. And now, who, who knows? You know, I mean, is this the last hurrah? I mean, you wonder about that. And then at the same time, you're pushing through with what I would call, I think, the, the most exciting K State football recruiting class of, of my lifetime, in it, with the caveat that. When Bill, Bill Snyder 1.0, you know, everybody thinks of 2.0 when it was kind of walk on you and, and grittiness and toughness. Like Snyder 1.0, they had badasses running all over the field. I mean, they had really good players. And the recruiting world was just not covered quite the way that it was right now. So back in those days, I think had it been covered the same way with, you know, four different major recruiting sites and all that, I mean, there probably were classes there that you would have been as excited or more excited about. I mean, shoot, I can remember even with limited coverage, being really excited when K-State landed L. Roberson, for instance, um, back in the day. But at, at least in like kind of a modern era, K-State um, Snyder 2.0 and beyond, there has not been a class with this much hype. I mean, the only thing in my eyes would be when uh, Prince took over and immediately flipped Josh Freeman from Nebraska. And he was an Elite 11 quarterback, high four-star, Army All-American, like all that. Um, similar to Avery Johnson, if not higher ranked. And uh, that was a huge deal to not only do that, but to flip him from being committed to Nebraska. That was seen as a huge deal and one of the most exciting recruiting victories I can ever remember in my, my K-State lifetime. So 
you know, for talking football, I think that's really about the only thing that compares to it right now. So, I mean, kudos to the coaching staff. They've finally been able to, like, turn this narrative around about in-state kids in particular, which is what's really helping out with this class. Um, but, yeah, the, the long-term viability of it obviously comes into question every time that, that we go through another wave of uh, conference realignment. Well, John, I, I got to let you go here, man, because we, we're running out of time. But I appreciate you, you coming and touching all these bases with me, man. It's been a lot of information all at once. But before I let you go, where can the people find your stuff so we can get you some more viewers on, on your YouTube and your podcast? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So the YouTube channel is just my name, John Kurtz, uh, J-O-H-N-K-U-R-T-Z. You can also listen to uh, the Three Ma podcast, Three M-A-W, uh, for the, the initiated there. But that's just Kansas City Sports Network, KCSN. Um, you can find that wherever you get podcasts, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. And uh, follow me on Twitter, just at J.L. Kurtz on, uh, on Twitter. Awesome, man. John, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Great insight, as always. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, anytime, Jackson. Thanks, man. Again, big thanks to John Kurtz from the Kansas City Sports Network. As you also heard with his YouTube channel, you can find him on Twitter. There's not a better follow for this area if you want to talk Big 12 sports, K-State sports. John, awesome, awesome stuff as always. So make sure to check his stuff out. But uh, that is going to wrap up our show for today and for the week. Uh, Make sure everybody enjoys their 4th of July weekend. Uh, We'll be off on Monday enjoying the Independence Day holiday, but we will be back on Tuesday. So we'll see you then on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.